good morning. Um, we are very excited. We're going to have a guest speaker today. Uh, so uh, we kind of scheduled that in advance because I was pretty confident that uh, we would, uh, our family, we would be, grow a little bit this last week, and it did. So Hannah had the baby on Monday. Um, so yeah. So if you, if you see me walking out, it's not because I'm not liking the, the, the message. It's just because I'm on kid duty today as well. Um, but uh, we're really fortunate. We're going to have Mike Conroy uh, speaking this morning. Mike is the pastor of Grace Fellowship up in Tunkhannock. He's been the pastor there for several years. Um, I met Mike a while back. Pastor Don was doing a prayer group with pastors once a month, and Mike attended there the first time, and uh, we went out for breakfast later, and we just talked about things, and uh, continuing since then, our friendship has grown, uh, specifically um, after Pastor Don passed away, the uh, Mike was really just there regularly. We would uh, get together, uh, very encouraging. Um, one of the things that I most appreciate, we, we try to get together once a week, every Thursday, and what we get together is just to pray about God's Word. And we pray about the preaching of God's word, and uh, he'll tell me a little bit about his message, and um, I'll tell him a little bit about my message. And it's just been a, an encouraging time to have the that that camaraderie between brothers. Um, I was fortunate to go preach at his church, and uh, and I told him that I would definitely be asking for the return of the favor for him to come out and preach here. So uh, he's gonna go ahead and do that. He's brought two of his kids. So uh, thanks, Mike. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, first thing that I need to say, I want to make sure it's loud and clear, is big shout out to Hannah for being here today after giving birth six days ago. <laughs> Trying to think, man, my wife went away for a couple days last week. I barely made it here, so that's pretty impressive. Um... Okay, so one of the things I like to do uh, at the church that I serve is uh, a very easy way to, to grow as a Christian is through teaching, right? Obviously, that's a big part of what we do Sunday mornings and, and other opportunities that we, we take as a church to do that. Another way that you can grow as a Christian through teaching is by reading good books. So I often like to just give away books, but there's a little catch. If you take a book, I only have two, uh, you have to read it. So if you get one of these books, you have to read it. Ro, would you come up? Uh, I'm going to be preaching and talking about personal evangelism today. This is a short, helpful little book called Intentional, subtitle, Evangelism That Takes People to Jesus. If you want a copy of this book, would you raise your hand? Ro, look out. You got to see who goes first. Okay, so right here, and then the man in the red shirt. Okay, keep your hands up so she could, she could find you. Um, why don't you turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians? Good choice, Ro. I would, I would have gone that way, too. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. So I'll give you a second to, to get there in your Bible, or if you have a phone and you're, and you're using it that way, you could turn that on and get it ready. I'd like you to actually see what we're going to talk about. So Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. This is what God's word says. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, so very, very few of us actually like vague or unclear ideas, 
commandments, jobs. So I think sometimes it's nice for us to speak in a way that's unclear. Like it's nice to speak sometimes in a way that's, that's kind of non-committal. So we often use words to do that, such as like or like I just did, kind of, sort of. But on the receiving end, uh, when you get something that's vague or unclear, it, it, it kind of feels like that very awkward first day at work where you're not sure like what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, how you're supposed to function. There's no like clear expectation that first day and you're trying to figure it out and it's incredibly awkward. And if you stay there long enough, so if you stay there long enough with, a, with an unclear, vague idea of what you should be doing, it leads to an unknown guilt because you're not sure if you should be doing it or not doing it or what's expected of you. It leads to an unnecessary fear. So think about at work, let's say you're at the job four months and you're not quite sure still what to do. Like you don't want to ask anyone unless they're, they turn around and say like, you're supposed to be doing this for four months. And it can lead to a lack of motivation because you just don't know what is expected of you. So I think that as Christians, that's how personal evangelism feels. Feels vague and unclear. And by personal evangelism, what I mean is just sharing and making the gospel known to people who are outside of Christ. But we have questions about it. Am I supposed to do it? Right? And so then what we try to do is we just hope that people don't ask us if we've done it or not. Or then we try to be so unclear about what it means to evangelize that any kind of spiritual-sounding conversation we had, we count as evangelism, and we could say if someone asked us, yeah, I did just the other day. How are we supposed to do this? So are we supposed to, when we talk to people, make them feel like there's, a, there's an inside group and an outside group? Are, are we supposed to make them feel on the outside of something? Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you, you don't merely think that Christians' practice of evangelism is something weird or strange or you wish that we'd just be quiet because we have crazy ideas about the world and where it came from and how it's put together. But maybe you're here and you actually think that it is evil for Christians to try to make converts or to proselytize, as they call it. Maybe you think it's not just misguided, but you think it's wrong. And so a lack of clarity is not good for us. Is it my job? Who is in? Who is out? How does someone come in? What are we supposed to do? And I think all of that can, can make personal vision feel like that awkward first day at work. And I think for many of us, because we're not clear on it, we have a lack of motivation to attempt it or to try it or to even know what is expected of us. Um, and worse yet, so as I read this scripture today, um, this is actually a commandment for Christians. So with a lack of clarity, the very worst thing that could happen is that we could live year after year in disobedience to God. So... Here's my main point today, okay? My main point is that followers of Christ walk in wisdom and speak with grace to those who are outside of Christ. It's my main point. I think that's what we see from this text. 
followers of Christ, walk in wisdom, and speak with grace to those who are outside of Christ. So where we're going, just so you have an idea of where the sermon's going, I, I first just want to locate our place in this passage and actually just show you that verses 2 through 6 are talking about personal evangelism. I want to then ask the question, as it relates to the gospel, who is in and who is out? And then lastly, I just want to look at what Paul says that we're actually supposed to do. So this passage, so go back to verse 2. Verses 2 and through 4 say this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So what I want to show you is that this whole passage is about personal evangelism. So verses 2 through 4 is about prayer, which is an essential aspect of this work. So Paul's saying, pray for me that God would open up doors for me to preach the word, explain the gospel, and pray for me that I would make it clear, which is how I'm supposed to speak on personal evangelism will not happen without prayer. So let me just I, mean, I, I preached a whole sermon on that a couple weeks ago because we're preaching through the book of Colossians. But let me just try to make this point as, as quickly and as clear as I can. Um, oftentimes, you don't share the gospel more, and this church doesn't share the gospel more, simply because you've stopped praying for it. You have not because you ask not. Do you regularly pray for your pastors who preach the word that God would open up doors for them to make the gospel clear on Sunday mornings where we are right now. Prayer is essential to this task. And then verses 5 through 6, Paul then moves to explain the role that we have towards those who are outside of Christ and how we are to speak to them. And this is how Paul is saying one way that we make the best use of time. So we make the best use of time when we live and we speak with those outside of Christ in mind. Right? So it's one way to not waste your time on earth. And this is written to Christians, this whole letter. So if you're familiar with the Bible, um, you know that the New Testament is the, is the second part of the Bible. It's smaller than the Old Testament. And the New Testament is mostly made up of letters written to churches. So there's a few exceptions to that, like 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus and Philemon. But for the most part, the New Testament is letters written to churches, to Christians. Uh, it's not letters written to elders or leaders or deacons, but they're written to Christians. So this is a commandment for us, for Christians, for those who follow Christ. So... As you think of personal evangelism, if you have an over-dependence upon a particular ministry, that's going to weaken your ability to share the gospel. If you are full of criticism of a church or a ministry because of how they evangelize or don't evangelize, uh, that is going to weaken your obedience to this commandment. This is a letter written to Christians, not elders, not deacons, not evangelists. Any approach or any idea of personal evangelism that does not require you to depend on God, 
and to prayerfully make the gospel known to another person, and depending on the Spirit, to awaken faith in them, any approach that doesn't require you to do that is going to weaken you. And, get, and, and now check this out. Um, doing the work of evangelism is actually one way that we mature as Christians. Okay, so this isn't like rocket science. Uh, your muscles, if you're like trying to work out, if you just read books or look at pictures of big biceps, you're not, your biceps are not going to get any bigger. If you watch workout videos, you're not going to get any more fit. You only get stronger from actually doing it. So it's good to show up to church, for sure. It's good for us to hear this sermon on personal evangelism, but I want you to know you are not getting any stronger by just listening and thinking, man, that sounds like a good idea. Or, oh, I could think of someone. You will grow as a Christian as you put yourself in situations when you need to depend on God to make the gospel known to somebody else. So I just want to make sure we understand this, okay? This verse is for all Christians. So if you are extroverted, this is a commandment for you. If you're introverted, this is a commandment for you. If you're good with people and you love small talk and it's easy for you to connect with people, this is a commandment for you. And if you're really bad with people and you struggle to have small talk and you never know what to say to someone, this is a commandment for you. If it's easy for you to make friends, this is a commandment for you. If you have a very hard time meeting new people, this is a commandment for you. If you work outside of the home, this is a commandment for you. If you work and stay inside of your home, this is a commandment for you. If you're in full-time ministry, this is a commandment for you. If you're an adult or a child, or you're not in full-time ministry, this is a commandment for you. So we have this command from God that's for our good and for our joy to share the good news. I just want to make it really clear that this is something God is calling us to do. So now, did you notice in verse 5 that Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders? And that word outsider, I, I wonder if we think it's right or okay to use that word or to talk or think about it this way, because it's, it's common for us to think that if we can get people who are outside of Christ to realize that we're just like them, we're exactly like them, same struggles, everything's the same, then they'll be more likely to listen to us than if we were to communicate to them that, that we're inside and they're outside. We, we tend to think that if, if people outside of Christ could look in the church and see that we're just like them, then they would be more willing to listen to us. Um, and I, I want to say that I appreciate the heart there, and I appreciate the desire to not come across as, as better than other people or to come across as, as like the religious leaders in Jesus' time. We call the Pharisees. I appreciate that heart, but I think that's very misguided to think that way. Is there anything bad that could happen about making somebody confused about where they stand? Yes, there is. 
a local church in our area, a, a good church, a church I actually followed up with about what I'm about to share with you, and they responded quite well to. Uh, but this church was, was, was speaking on the topic of homosexuality and what the Bible has to say about it, and they had some guest speaker come in. And as the pastor was up front on the stage introducing the speaker, he said, hey, if you're here this morning and you have a different belief uh, than we do about marriage and who marriage is for and sex and how all of that works, we just want you to know that we love you, that we accept you, and that we don't condemn you. And I followed up with him, and, he, and, and I understand, like, the heart there, but we need to be careful of how we communicate with people. Like, I don't think much of myself. I'm a pretty laid-back guy. I don't even have an associate's degree. So I don't think much of myself when I'm up here speaking. But when I'm up here speaking, people do attach weight to what is said. And to make someone... Now, of course, if you're here this morning and you would identify yourself as gay, if you are in homosexual sin, we're glad you're here. We actually want you to be here. Because we believe that the gospel is the power of God to save anybody. But we don't want to communicate in a way that is unclear because that would be unloving to you. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want certain people in the room to know that they're not welcomed. That there's consequences if they take. We want to make distinctions. And Paul, speaking about insiders and outsiders, makes certain things very clear. So who is the outsider? Right? The outsider of someone who is outside of Christ or outside of his church. Uh, the Bible's very clear when it teaches that our condition outside of Christ is that we are born in sin. So everybody in this room, we were born on the outside. Right? So the scripture teaches. We are born in sin. The, the scripture teaches that we are born enemies of God. Okay? So now you might be here, because I don't know everybody who's here. I don't know if you're a Christian or not. If you're not a Christian, you might hear me say that you're God's enemy, and you might think, I'm really not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. I look around my neighborhood. I'm pretty good. I even compare myself to some people who go to church, and I'm better than some of them. Or maybe you're thinking of people this morning that you know you need to share the gospel with, and you're like, I have no idea how I would convince this person that they're a sinner. So um, you don't have to turn here if you don't want to. But I want to read two passages of Scripture. So Romans 1, verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give appro approval to those who practice them. Does that list describe you? And the other passage I want to read is Galatians 5, verses 22 and 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Does that list describe you? If the first list describes you and the second list does not describe you, you are on the outside. Yes, maybe according to like comparing yourself to other people, you're not that bad. But according to God's standard where he identifies, gossips, those who are malicious, slanderers, disobedient to parents, as God identifies those things, how do you stand next to God's standard? Right? So just forget everything else. I know this morning that I have no ability to convince anybody that they're enemies of God. I know that I don't have that ability. I'm a pretty persuasive guy, but I can't do that, which is why we rely upon the word of God to do that. So even one of the reasons I wanted to share that this morning was to instill confidence in you that you don't have to convince people they need Jesus. It's not up to you. Put your confidence in the word of God. Take people to the word of God and do something as simple as, does this list describe you? And judgment is coming for people who are on the outside. Now, how do you come in? Now, now this, is the, this is the place where all of your fears, potentially, of making someone think that we are better than them are just totally unfounded because how do you go from being an outsider to being an insider? Right? I mean, just look at the life of Jesus. It, it was not to a certain group of people that Jesus came to save. You guys are preaching through the book of John. Jesus, if Jesus was coming to save a particular group of people, we would assume that would have been the nation of Israel. But when Jesus came, they rejected him. That's what it says in John 1. He came to his own, meaning the people of Israel, and his own did not receive him. Um, God was not pursuing or only showing interest in saving a group of people that we might think were pretty good. It's not what he did. It's not like there's this insider group that has a good family and a good background and they act good and they have good paying jobs and they're decent people and then everybody else is on the outside and God only came to cater to this inside group. That's not how it works because the gospel teaches us that that group doesn't exist. That group doesn't exist. There is no group of people and no person on the planet that is closer to God because of what they have done and where they were born. It doesn't exist. The scripture teaches us that we are all on the outside and the way that we come to the inside is the death of Christ, was the sacrifice of Jesus, was the fact that God looked down and saw all of us lost in our sin and loved us and sent his son to die for us, right? That's what the scripture says. God showed his love for us that while we were sinners on the outside, not deserving his acceptance, deserving his wrath, with nothing we could do to save ourselves, God, when we were like that, sent his son to die for us. This is the gospel. The gospel this morning, like, listen, the last thing you need me to do is to make you feel bad for not sharing the gospel. You felt that way when you walked in this room. 
perhaps when somebody shared or prayed that this is what the topic was going to be, you were thinking, ah, listen, just this morning, as I was writing some notes down, I was like, oh, I should encourage people to just pray for strangers. You know, if you talk to someone who, you know, and then immediately I was walking and praying and this man met me and started talking about all kinds of medical conditions and then he changed the subject and talked about, I don't know, I guess, I forget what it was. Um, and then we parted ways and I was like, Mike, what you just, you just wrote down that you should pray for people. God sends you a man who's basically saying, hey, could you pray for me? And not so many words, and you didn't. I felt bad. I felt convicted. And as soon as I walked away, I said, Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus. <laughs> thank you. Thank you that it's not up to me to do enough to make myself righteous. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you feel that you are going to feel closer to the Lord if you would just do better in this area, you don't understand the gospel. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself closer to God because God has already sacrificed his son and paid for all of your sin. Sin that you will commit tomorrow. Opportunities where you choke up in fear today, Jesus has already paid for those sins. And how does this apply to you? Not because of obedience or good works. This applies to us when we simply repent of our sins and trust that the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient to save us. Um, let me ask you, is, is this how you view and treat and pray for people? Okay, so do you think of your neighbors like this? As outsiders who need the gospel of Christ? Do you think that way? Do you think about your coworkers or people you go to school with? Do you think about them, consciously think about them as this is someone who is outside of Christ, who needs Christ? And then to those of you who might think that evangelism is evil, it's wrong for us to try to make converts, I, I want you to understand that this is why Christians must share the gospel because wrath is coming. Jesus is king. All men will either bow down before him or burn. Because he's king. And this is why we must share the gospel. Judgment is real. This message must be proclaimed. And Jesus alone deals with the real issue inside of all of us. He's the only one who actually deals with what is wrong with this world. So what are we supposed to do then? And there's a few things that Paul says. So number one, Paul tells us in Colossians 4... Verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom, and he says, toward outsiders. So this is getting to the attitude, okay? So this phrase is saying that we ought to live and speak with those outside of Christ in mind. So we're to consider them with how we live. We're to be thoughtful towards those who don't know Christ. They are to be on our minds, in our prayers. We are to care about the souls of those who don't know Jesus. Um, caring for those who are outside of Christ is something the gospel produces in us. Okay? Um, so you could evaluate yourself there. Caring about those who are outside of Christ is something the gospel produces inside of us. So if you're not concerned at all 
You have no intentions of ever sharing the gospel. Now, I, I, I want to share this example. I want to be careful, okay? Because I don't want you to think I'm, I don't care what you think about me. Um, uh, so there was, because as pastors, like, a lot of times you're, like, talking to people. You're trying to evaluate where people are at. And sometimes you're like, eh, I don't think this person's real. And, I, you know, you want to be careful. So there's this young lady at our church a few years ago who wanted to get baptized, you know. And um, I was like, I don't think she's a Christian. Like, I just, I just didn't think she was a Christian. So I said to her, I was like, hey, so, uh, you know, as Christians, we are called to evangelize and share the gospel. Um, is that something you would ever do? Like, your friends, family, would you ever share the good news with them? Uh, and she said, no, I, I would never do that. And I'm like, then, yeah, I don't think you should get baptized. Now, I'm not saying that evangelism is a prerequisite to being baptized, but that starts to expose a heart where a Christian would say, man, I struggle with this, I'm afraid, I don't want to do it, I feel nervous, but like, yeah, I need to. Um, do you care? Like, what would you say about someone who's claiming to be a Christian and just never shown love or care towards outside, those outside of Christ? So it affects our attitude. Paul tells us we're to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So I think that this probably includes a lot of subjective things, so, like Paul says, he became all things, all people in 1 Corinthians 9. I think this applies to, in certain groups, should I drink this thing? Should I listen to this music? Should I, like, those are kind of wisdom issues we have to sort through, it, depending on, is this going to bring reproach to the name of Christ if I drink this in front of this person? But I also want you to remember um, that there's an objective side to wisdom. Um, it's not just subjective. And I want to just point you real quickly to the, the place that we as Christians would turn to to find out how we could walk in wisdom is the Sermon on the Mount. And let me just summarize that real quick, okay, as some examples of things that we need to be careful of how we walk towards outsiders. So Jesus told us, you've heard it was said, you shall not murder, but I tell you, whoever is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, outrage, anger, hostility and insults towards people we don't like is culturally popular and you could build and churches do this now you can build an audience with outrage you can build an audience with outrage and i have to tell you as a christian that's not walking in wisdom it's become acceptable even for christians to use the phrase, let's go, Brandon. That is sinful. There's no way to refer to the President of the United States of America. But it's acceptable because there's a group of people that maybe we agree with on certain issues who like to say it. Brothers, that's not walking in wisdom if you speak that way or if you show that kind of anger or hostility. Jesus said, You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So, particularly to the men, you want to know what it means to walk in wisdom? Uh, number one, I would point out a um, uh, uh, deep concern if you're involved in any kind of sexual immorality, especially with porn. Um, and let me just say this as a quick side note. Um, please don't think that you can engage in that kind of sin and be against sex trafficking. Because you're actively supporting it if you're looking at that stuff. But also, objectively, walking in wisdom, how, particularly to the men, 
how do you look at other women? How do people see you looking at other women? If I were to walk by you in a crowd, would I notice a different about how you are looking at the women around you versus how other men are looking at women around them? How do you talk about women when you're with those who are outside of Christ? Jesus tells us not to retaliate against those who do evil to us and to love our enemies. Again, culturally and always, this has been looked down upon and is so easier to just get back at people that we don't like or have done things against us but walking in wisdom is treating people the way that God has treated us. Jesus tells us, you know, the, the famous judge not lest you be judged. Uh, real quick, he's not actually saying don't judge at all. He's just saying don't judge like a hypocrite. Right? So typically, we get angry when other people do the same things that we do. You might out loud say, I can't believe anybody would text and drive. Are you guilty of the same thing? Jesus is saying, don't judge like a hypocrite. Don't judge somebody else before you actually examine yourself. And the last one I'll mention is Jesus tells us not to cast our pearls before a swine. And I would just ask you, are you guilty of endless, pointless arguing back and forth on the internet with people? I would say that's part of what it means to cast your pearl before a swine. So do these kinds of things define you? Um, let me just say, too, that these things are not just to be descriptive of how you as an individual are treating and, and demonstrating your life to those outside of Christ. These things ought to be defining you as a church, right? So when Jesus gives this list, he says, you're a city set on a hill. You're, uh, 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 you know, you'd be salt and light. We all know that passage in, in Matthew 5. Um, that is supposed to be true of us together as Christians, so is your reputation as a church, do you exhibit these things with one another? As members of this church, do these kinds of things, and walking in wisdom as Jesus defines it on the Sermon on the Mount, do these things describe the way that you live? Because that's a, here's the easiest way, is, is as people visit your church who don't know Christ, and they see the fact that this is not a place where people gossip about one another, where everybody has their back, where they speak kindly of each other, even when they talk about other churches they disagree with, it's not angry or outrage or trying to just incite a following by anger, but they actually see wisdom among you. That's a very easy way to, to share the gospel together. And the last thing Paul says is our speech. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay, so a lot of times, um, so, so Paul already has given this example of, in verse 4, to make the gospel clear. Um, and real quick, I want to encourage you. You are not responsible to make sure people believe the gospel. Okay, so big misdefinition of evangelism. Evangelism is making the gospel known. Evangelism is not seeing people come to Jesus. One thing you can do, one thing you can't do. Okay, you can share the gospel, you can't make people Christians. We are responsible to share the message of the gospel and make it clear. So one of the things that we do as a church, um, anytime we have new members, we always ask our new members in our interview to explain the gospel in like 60 to 90 seconds or less. 
just to make sure that they know how to say it, how to speak it. So if you had that, if you, so imagine, right? We should do that. We should just get a volunteer. Um, could you explain the gospel to somebody else in 60 seconds? And what I mean by that is not just talking kind of about it, but that you could explain to someone not only how we can be saved, but how they in particular could be saved that day. There's a lot of sermons I listen to, and in a lot of sermons I hear, someone who didn't know Jesus would not be able to listen to that sermon and understand how they could become a Christian. It's not our message. We have no right to change this message or alter it or doubt it. And I think one of the biggest obstacles that you and I face as we think of evangelism is do we believe that the gospel is the power of God? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you could share the gospel? And that gospel itself is God's power to save someone. So more important than your arguments, more important than you being relatable, more important than you building a relationship with this person for years and having credibility, the most important thing is the word of God. That is how God saves. But what Paul's trying to say here is, as far as speaking graciously is to not get caught up in what you say to each person. Right? Paul is just saying, listen, if you're trying to speak graciously, Paul's effectively saying, if you focus on speaking graciously, speaking to genuinely help someone outside of Christ, aimed at speaking with grace and being clear in the gospel, you will be able to answer whatever comes. Paul is saying here, if you want to be able to answer every person appropriately, worry about why you say what you say. Speak graciously. Right? That's what it means to be seasoned with salt. But don't get overcome with, how am I going to answer this objection or this question or this? Just aim to speak with grace. Okay, so I hope that this sermon has done a little bit to bring some clarity on personal evangelism, right? So it's all of our job. We have gospel clarity of who's in, who's out. We see that the gospel should affect our attitude toward outsiders, the way we live, and the way we speak. Um, let me just bring this to a close with just some... some um, Practical pieces of advice. Okay, some of you, I think, tend to stay home. You're taking care, care of kids at home. Maybe you're homeschooling. Or you just don't really get out of the home all that often. Um, and some of you would say, I don't really know that many people outside of Christ. What do I do? Maybe you're a homeschool student. And it's like, I really don't know. Uh, anybody. So pray. Why don't you pray about that? Why don't you pray that God would open up doors for you to share the gospel? Just start there and pray that consistently. Perhaps you could just frequent the same places and pray that God would give you regular contact with someone and you would share the gospel with them. Um, another piece of advice. Let people know that you're a Christian right away, as soon as possible. Okay? So let me just try to take a pipe bomb and just blow up that argument that you need to build a relationship for a long time before you tell someone you're a Christian. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Because you know what happens when you do that? A year, two years, three years go by, and you're like, I didn't tell them. Okay, now what am I going to do? I'm going to tell them now? Them, you know, and it, and it just never happens. Let people know as soon as possible you're a Christian. If you struggle with this, here's a very easy thing you could do. Today, go home or just Grab your phone right now and post something Christian on your social media. 
So easy. You're letting people know you're a Christian. Talk about it in normal conversation. So you're at work, you're at school, someone's like, how was your weekend? It was great. Went to church, learned this, loved it, right? Just make it, make it normal. I mean, honestly, even if you really struggle with this, buy some nice-looking, not corny-looking, there's a lot of corny-looking Christian-type shirts, clothing. There's a lot of corny ones, though. Uh, just rule, quick rules of thumb. Let me just make sure I'm not offending anybody who's here. But if you need to hear this, you need to hear this. Um, if the font size is, like, larger than your forearm, don't wear it. Like, that's probably just too big. Um, if there's way too many colors on that, you might, you might want to reconsider it. Um, but I'm saying, yeah, it's cheesy. But I told my wife, you know, we had a bunch of sick kids, so she didn't hear this, this sermon when I preached it. And she was like, that's, like, so cheesy. I can't believe you would say that. Um, I think it's a good idea. Like, it's, it's, it is a simple thing. Yeah, forget you, Liv. I don't know what you're thinking about. Um, it's simple. And it lets people know you're a Christian. And if you're t- terrified to do that, just force yourself to do that. Um, invite people to church. Okay? That's easy. I know Stephen. I love Stephen. I love Billy, too. Uh, Billy's the man. But your pastor's... Who preach here? Are you laughing because you don't agree or because you agree? Um, your pastors are preaching the word of God. They're making the gospel known. They put a lot of time into making sure that they are accurately bringing God's word. And a simple way, this is a great, great, great church to invite your friends who are outside of Christ to come. It's very simple to do. Uh, so I'd encourage you to do that, or, and do what I failed to do today. If you're talking to someone, and they're giving you a long list of medical problems, that's a great thing to just say, hey, could I pray for you? Okay, I didn't do that. Um, and then also, um, I just encourage you to be real with yourself and to examine your faith. But, but the most important thing I would say, um, delight yourself in the gospel. I also know that I have no ability to make you want to and make you actually share the gospel. I know that I can't do that. But it is the love of God and the gospel of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins and right standing before God, fellowship with God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. These things are sufficient to push us and encourage us to evangelize. Um, If you want to evangelize more, Take time to dwell on and meditate and delight in the gospel of Christ. If you want to love much, realize how forgiven you are. 